Here we go. If you would, once again, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, I think I have the wrong reference on the PowerPoint presentation, so apologize for that. We're continuing the message that we began last week. On mind control. And no, this isn't a science fiction type of thing. But we do want to take some time and talk about the importance of exercising control over our thought life as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read our text together this morning once again from 2 Corinthians 10, beginning with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Let's bow our hearts together today and let's ask God's blessing as we look to God's word together this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you for this time that we have together not only to worship you, but to study the word of God together as a family. As we look to your word this morning, we once again pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be with us. Give words to your speaker today and give us all ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us through your word. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. I uh, felt to share this message with you because of recent events in my life, which we'll, we mentioned last week and we'll get back to this week. But I think it's important, no matter what we're going through, to understand that one of the common, ish, common maladies... Uh, that we as uh, Americans at least, and I'm, I'm confident that many other people, especially in the, I was going to say industrialized world, but computerized world, deal with, and that's dealing with or losing our ability to focus on what we need to focus about. And of course I shared a stat with you Uh, Over the span of 20 years, from the year 2000 to the year 2020, the average attention span of uh, the average American went from 12 seconds, which seems kind of short in the first place, which means, uh, you know, joke I shared last week, I've already lost you, went from 12 seconds to 8 seconds, and... uh, which is really bad when you consider the goldfish has a nine-second attention span. And there are a lot of different things that contribute to that. Of course, we have devices. 
and devices and games and electronics are designed to, to keep you engaged and to keep you stimulated. In fact, I had a conversation with a young man a couple of years ago and how he found old movies rather dull. And the reason that he found them dull is because they would have long shots on one individual if they had a conversation. And he made the note that in cinematography today, when someone has maybe even a five-minute speech or, or, or talk, the camera angle and the camera shot will change usually about every three seconds because after that three-second period, people will lose interest. We are losing our ability to focus. And the stress of these past couple of years have only added to that inability to really focus on what we need to be focusing on and, and having our, our minds kind of torn every which way. COVID, politics, violence, all these different issues uh, that we're, we're dealing with. And increasingly, people are having a hard time keeping their minds on what they need to. Of course, it's important for us to be people of focus, just to function in life. If your mind is kind of, is always being ripped or torn into one direction or another, it's difficult for you to stay on task as far as what you need to be thinking about and what you need to be focusing on. Your family, your job, your own mental health. And most importantly, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your focus needs to be on Jesus. Jesus brings that out in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy or not whole, your whole body will be full of darkness. And we looked at an example from Scripture how the apostles and all of us are called to be ministers for the glory of God. But the apostles understood the need to be people who are focused on the task that is at, that is at hand. And so we talked about not only the importance of focus, but how dealing with a wayward mind. And if you're looking for someone who struggles with keeping their mind under control and not allowing their thought life to wander into places that, they should, that it should not be wandering, look no further than me. It is a struggle that I am well acquainted with. And in order to win this battle, and in order to rein in our thoughts and to keep our thoughts where they should be, we need to understand that it is a battle that we cannot win in and of ourselves. Our text reminds us, verse 5, that we are destroying speculations, 
Correction. Verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, or if you're reading the King James Version, of strongholds. Mighty castles. Great walled cities. In fact, the image that came to mind biblically as I was preparing uh, this message actually last week, and I remember it again as I was uh, studying, restudying in preparation for this morning, is the city of Jericho. A mighty walled city that Israel was called to conquer. But the walls of that city were so big that they were actually dwelling places on top of that city. And you could ride horses or chariots upon it. Can you imagine an army as well equipped as it was, an army with uh, spear and with shield and with determination, how effective they would be against a great walled city where a city such as that could just wait out the enemy until they got discouraged and then, and then walked away. But it was through God that the Israelites had the victory, even though they were outmatched, at least as far as the walls were concerned. You and I, and I think one of the, the I don't think I'm alone in this. You and I, when we struggle, and I have to admit to you this morning that sometimes I struggle with keeping my thoughts in order and not allowing them to wander where they shouldn't wander. And I feel powerless against them. Through God, I can overcome and reign in my thoughts and keep them where they need to be centered and focused on Christ, on my relationship with Him, and upon, upon his calling and upon others, of course, as well. Amen. So we talked about this, this overwhelming uh, foe, that our, which is our own minds. So let's take time this morning and, and actually talk about how we can bring these thoughts in control. But let's first talk about the different areas that our mind can wander into. Now, before we actually get into our own personal mental struggles, let's first look at the context of this scripture and why Paul wrote the, these words as far as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ not relying upon their own selves in order to keep their minds in order or to deal with these mighty fortresses. He was talking about the thought life of others who were against him. At the writing of this letter, both the calling or the apostleship of Paul and his ministry was being brought under fire by those who said he was not an apostle, he was a phony, and you shouldn't listen to him. 
And Paul takes time in this book, if you read the book of 2 Corinthians in its entirety, to defend himself as someone who was called by God. In fact, when he introduces himself in this book, he says, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God, not by his own will. But as far as dealing with the lies and the assaults to his character, but more important, his ministry and message, Paul says, I'm not going to deal with them in and of my own self. I'm not going to get down into the mud and sling mud with them. I'm not going to get on the stage and debate them. I'm going to rely upon the supernatural weapons of the Holy Spirit. I'm certainly going to stand up for myself. I'm certainly not going to let them walk over me. But as far as changing their minds and convincing them that I am the man whom God has called me to be, I'm going to use the mighty weapons that God has provided for me. I'm not going to cry before them. I'm not going to list you know, many references and argue back and forth. I'm not going to war in the flesh. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit deal with them. That's a good message, but it's a message for another time. <laughs> But as far as controlling thoughts, the great, I don't know if it's the greatest challenge because it is hard to change the mind of another individual. But the most personal challenge I have is me. And I would like to share with you first the areas that we can wander with, uh, wander into that divide our thoughts and keep us from being unfruitful in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first area that we can wander into, that can pull us away from being everything that God has called us to be, is the immature mind. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. He says to this self-same church in an earlier letter that's dealing with issues, one that is alluded to here in this verse, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now you'll notice this is from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when we think of the, the book of 1 Corinthians 13, we often think of that we often think that this is the love chapter. And you know what I find is, is daylight savings? I almost hate <laughs> putting the clocks back better than putting the clocks forward, because my mind, my clock hasn't quite adjusted. It's early to get up early and preach and stay later. So just stay with me as we go through it this morning. This is the love chapter, but in this, in this verse, the Apostle Paul is speaking to 
an issue that was a major issue in this church in that they were an immature church. They were immature in their speaking. They were immature in their acting. They were immature in their worship. And the reason they were immature in all these areas is because they were immature in their thinking. Now, when you think of a baby, and I'm not thinking about all the wonderful things about the baby, you know, the cooing and the smiling and, and the snuggling, and those, those are the good things. We also think of the things that we tolerate and we understand that are part of being a child. But we not only hope, we expect children to move on from. What do I mean by that? Well, what, what is one of the first, and may, may I say, most emphatic words that children learn other than mama and dada. And that would be no. And it's not just no. It's no. <laughs> Another one they they think, you know, it's been a while since my kids uh, are in their 20s, one late 20s, will be 30 this year, is mine. And again, it's not, it's mine, no ifs, ands, or buts. And then when a child, as they're dealing with, with emotion, we understand all this, and, and a disappointment comes their way, their no turns into a yes, and their yes turns to a no. And the only way they, need to, they uh, are capable of handling it is by having a tantrum. I'm sure none of your kids ever went through it. I'm sure none of you ever did that. But believe me, some do. And there's a reason for that. Number one, children, because they are part of the human race, are people who deal with an issue of of pride, and you might be saying, Pastor Randy, really a small child dealing with pride? Not so much that they may or may not think they're better than anyone. They probably don't. But there, there is a, a very elemental uh, form of pride that begins at a, a very, very young age, if not innate at birth, that being selfishness. I want my own way, regardless of what anyone else wants. And then, of course, because they are children, and we understand this, and I love kids. I was one once. <laughs> and we understand this. And we, we, you know, we love and work with our kids. But they lack self-control. We all know, and I dare say many of us have, if not struggled with, having our mind divided by immature thoughts that are solely focused on ourselves and what we want and how we can have our way getting us off the single-mindedness of being people who are sold out completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Are we guilty of it? I think the fruits of this could be described three ways. We're guilty of immaturity or a mind out of control if we have an attitude towards others that is condescending. And when I say a condescending attitude, I mean condescending towards anyone. You know, it's easy when you see someone that you respect, someone who's maybe older, got their life together, they're really smart or they're really successful. Other people uh, think highly of them and laud them and praise them. It's, It's easy to look up to them or to give them respect. You know, not to jump all over them or not to speak harshly or not to dismiss them. But to someone that we view as inferior, someone who's maybe younger, someone, maybe they don't use the the Queen's English like we do. I don't use the Queen's English. (laughs) Maybe they use, you know, maybe... Maybe they're, you know, they, they misuse words or, or they mispronounce words. Maybe they don't make as much money as you. Maybe they've made some different choices in your life. So you're dismissive of them. You really don't want to hear what they have to say. And let me tell you, you may be depriving yourself of some great wisdom. Because from, a, from, some of the, from the mouths of some of the most seemingly simple people, there have come out great, profound things. And I've also been greatly challenged by those people, by their words that have rightly wounded me. But a condescending attitude is an attitude where someone's mind has wandered where it shouldn't have. And to go right along with that, a a mind that uh, is easily offended. Jesus said regarding offense. And let me tell you, if if you think being part, I wish it was the case, and someday it will be. But if you think, you know, someday... I'm going to find a church. And we need to be this way in the world as well. In fact, it's, it's of utmost importance within the church, but it's almost as equal importance in the world. If you are under the mindset that somewhere out there is a church that will, I will never be offended by, Well, I don't want to say it, but good luck with that. (laughs) And the reason I say that is this. Jesus himself said, what? It must needs be that offenses come. I'm not saying when you're offended, it's right. It may be wrong. In fact, Jesus follows that up by saying, but woe to whom by those... Woe to those by whom those offenses come. But to think you're not going to be offended 
Or when any time anyone upsets your apple cart, whether it's in your church, in the family, at your job, uh, uh, in your neighborhood, where all of a sudden, instead of your mind being where it should be, focus on Jesus, focus on your relationship with Him, focus on the calling that's, a lot, that's upon your life, focus on being whom God wants you to be, the fruit of the Spirit, being you know, just magnified in your life. You're just bitter and you just can't help but be eaten up with, with anger over this individual. And you're, you're double-minded. Your thought life isn't under control. And hey, listen, I'm not speaking down to you this morning. I, I have gone through the same things over and over and over again where I've had to bring my mind before God and say, oh God, who shall deliver me from this body of flesh? Offense, anger. And anger might not be over any one individual. In fact, over this past uh, two years now, or we're getting close to two years, 18 months at least, regarding everything that's going on. I remember, I don't think I read the book, but I, I, I remember, and I know a lot of people who did, and who were blessed by it, um, uh, a book by John Bevere, The Bait of Satan. So many, peop- so many people today are angry. They're angry over uh, what's going on with COVID. They're angry over uh, the political things that are going on. They're angry, angry over the social things that are going on. And it's consuming their minds. And it's not just, you know, things are really bad. Well, it is, and and that has a lot to do with it. But let me tell you, there are both natural, but more insidiously, there are supernatural forces at work that want you to get your mind all into all the negative junk that is going on so that you're not focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we live in ignorance. We should not. I scan over the headlines every day. I want to know what's going on. How else are we to know how to pray if we don't? But I don't get sucked into it either, especially with talking heads. And, you know, these pundits on, uh, uh, I don't have cable, and, uh, which is great, because then I don't have to listen to talking heads on cable news. <laughs> Whose goal is just to stir up the pot. If they don't say anything outrageous or controversial, no one's going to watch. It's simple marketing. I even see that as far as... Not you, Simon. (laughs) Christian podcasters. They have just something on a scripture or something, you know, on a benign topic. 
The number of views that they get on their YouTube channel are very small. But the moment they mention this church or, or this controversy in the body of Christ, whoo, the views go through the roof. Some of you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but even more so, the enemy of our souls, because he knows the battle for the soul is waged in part, not solely, but in part in the mind, is trying to seduce you and to get in your mind and thoughts and meditations and focus on other things, other areas that it doesn't need to be. Beware anger. Be angry and sin not, says the word of God. And secondly, this morning, there is the non-crucified areas of our flesh that we have to be careful of. And we're not going to finish the message today. The third point we'll do two weeks from today. Pastor Warren's going to be sharing uh, next week. But our minds, which are to be single, focused on Christ, another area of, of wandering, are the sinful areas that we have that we may have should have confessed when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and should have forsaken when we came to the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior but we still even though we've been called to, to repent or turn away from them we keep them in our back pocket. Now, what do I mean by that? When you read the book of Romans, chapter 8, it talks about life in the Spirit. And it actually, there, it's, it, it, it's actually a compare, comparison and contrast with uh, the way we used to live with the way that we are to live now as followers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can live one of two ways. You can live a life according to the Spirit, or you can live life according to the flesh. And there is really no gray area, there's no neutral zone between the two that you can live as, as far as being living for God, but, but still have access to the old way of living. You're probably sitting there saying, well, Pastor Rennie, I know that's true. That if I accept Jesus, I need to stop lying. I can't lie anymore. I have to stop stealing. I can't steal anymore. And so on and so forth. But some people keep a sliver of their sin nature alive in the dark recesses of their mind. Paul uses very strong words when he talks about the flesh or the old way that we used to think and live. That being 
The ways of the flesh are to be crucified, are to be put to death, never to live again. But some believers keep a vestige of that uh, in, in their heart, in their spirit, in their mind, and it leads them to wander into a dark place. Uh, the, and the scripture I have in, in reference to that is from actually Galatians 5, but a sim- similar wording is used in Romans 8. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what am I talking about this morning as far as keeping sin in, in your back pocket? And what I... What I'm getting at this morning is this, and I, and I know a lot of people do this. Whether it's lust, greed, envy, or any of the other deadly sins that, that Scripture talks about. You accept Jesus. You acknowledge that they're sinful. You confess them before God. You stop doing them. But when that stray thought comes your way instead of rejecting it in the name of Jesus instead of crucifying it and say this thought is no longer going to be in my mind in my heart and in my spirit we entertain it and we think it's okay why because whether it's lust greed envy or whatever else it might be we say We'll never act on it. We'll never do it. But it's okay to think about it just a little bit. God help us. Because what that uncrucified mind, what that uncrucified heart is, is a heart that is double-minded or divided. It's a heart that is wandering into, a, into a, a, a bad place, a dark place, a wrong place. And two things can happen from that. Number one, according to the book of James, lust, if we entertain lust, leads to sin, and sin, if it's conceived, brings death. We're inviting death to come into our lives. We're literally putting our souls in danger. But number two, whenever we wander into dark places that we shouldn't be in, we run the risk of getting lost and losing the ability to get out. Has anyone ever had that happen to them in the natural? You go into the woods and you think you know where you are? I remember once I went on a hike and uh, it was a place I, I never knew, I, I'd never been to before. It was out of the Cape. We were at a retreat and I said, I want to go for a hike. And so I went on a hike and I'm walking around. I didn't know where I was. <laughs> by the time that hike was over, I had a blister on my foot about this big by the time I found out where I was supposed to be. And 
And the reason we get to these places of bondage, because sin is bondage, is because we've allowed our thought life to get out of control and we think it's okay to think on, to meditate upon those things that we shouldn't. Two more things that we'll conclude with. This went a little longer than I thought. But I think especially in the day and age that we live in, it's, it's so important that we understand that we need to keep our minds under the control of the Holy Spirit and, um, but also of our wills as far as being new men or new women in Jesus, not letting our minds just go wherever that we talk about this. And so I'd like to close this morning, if you would just stand with me.